Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us in our time of worship and thank you to our team for continuing to lead us in spaces of singing and worship at City Collective, both online and at each of our hubs. It has been a gift. Um, If this is your first time joining us online or at one of our hubs, thanks for being with us. This is a safe space to consider the questions of life, which we all need to ask. And wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, know that you're welcome here. Now, this morning, we are continuing with our series called Ravens and Roses, looking at loss, at grief, and and when life doesn't go according to plan. But but this week, we're, we're digging into the more immediate idea of loss that might come to your mind when you hear the word. The the truest definition of loss defines it as having something or someone leave or be taken away from you, uh, a feeling of grief when they are gone. That's often the idea that comes when we hear the word loss. Faith is great, but loss is real. Resurrection is the power of God found in Jesus, but death is part of our broken world. And, and, and where we find ourselves as a society sees people viewing death as merely a statistic and others caring very little about the statistic and more about the loved one that they have lost. This is a big and immediate idea that we are constantly dealing with but has been brought even more so to the forefront. Now, I, I don't think I grieve particularly well. In reality, I'm a highly optimistic person. The glass is always half full. The sun will rise tomorrow. You, you know all the mantras that are, are out there. Pick them. You might need them. Uh, I, I unashamedly embrace and, and adhere to a lot of them on, on most days. Now, I know that for some of you, you might find this incredibly annoying. And what I have to say to you is that I forgive you, it's okay. I'm gonna hold on to them because I like being a little bit optimistic. But in all seriousness, dealing with loss, and in particular the loss of a friend or family member is likely deserving of more than an optimistic thought and quick processing. And despite my poor marks in the area of grief, I can remember where I was and what I was doing upon receiving word of deaths to friends and of family, the shock. The, the gut-wrenching feeling of pain, the long list of questions that roll through my mind, how, why, where, um, and even like the instant fight or flight response kicking in of which I have found myself going in either direction. Loss of life always is and always will be and should be difficult. To become numb to the loss of life is to stop seeing the God-given value in every single person. And, And even as I was preparing this talk this morning, I found myself challenged to reflect upon my own ability to grieve. Because part of the reason for the series Ravens and Roses is to take the wrapper off of our cultural tendency to avoid. We need to be more honest about the tougher parts of life. And the beautiful truth of the Bible is that it actually tends to rub our noses in those harder parts. Because the Bible is a whole lot more honest about life than we often tend to be. So this morning, we're talking about looking at death, grief, and lament in the life of a character 
named Naomi. So let's read together from Ruth chapter 1. Thank you to Kirsten and to our hub facilitators for leading us in that reading this morning. Uh, Now I want you to jump into the story with me. Can you imagine that moment shared between Naomi and Ruth? All they had gone through, the conversations that they would have already had, the pain that they would have experienced individually and as a family. And, And though the name of the book is Ruth, I think for our conversation this morning, we can learn a lot by looking at Naomi. Ruth would be named not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament and be part of the lineage of Jesus. She was known for much, but the line at the end of verse 4 is likely how Naomi saw herself. Not, Not just for that moment, but for most of her life. Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. She had experienced deep and painful loss, and in the midst of her grief, we see some powerful moments. But this one in particular between herself and Ruth intrigues me. About to leave for her homeland with two Moabite women, lost her husband and sons, unsure of what life would look like moving forward, and basically telling her daughters-in-law to leave for a better life. Though there is a noble nature to her appeal to them, if you have ever experienced the loss of a loved one, you know that there is more going on than she would seem to let on. If she was completely honest with herself in that moment, I think that even Naomi would admit that she was being driven by more than a desire for them to be good. I I know that when I have experienced loss, there is always a hint of fear that sneaks in. C.S. Lewis would write a book in 1961 called A Grief Observed uh, under the pseudonym N.W. Clerk, a collection of reflections on his experience following the death of his wife, Joy, in 1960. It's this powerfully honest account which begins with a necessary honesty and he writes no one ever told me that grief felt so like fear i am not afraid but the sensation is like being afraid the same fluttering in the stomach the same restlessness the the yawning i keep on swallowing at other times it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed there's a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me I find it hard to take in what anyone says, or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It's just, it's so uninteresting. Yet, I want others to be about me. This is a powerful statement from him. When we encounter loss, it sets in a fog of emotions, which can feel so like fear, paralyzing to the point of avoidance or or no response. My question for you this morning is, how honest are you with yourself? 
I know for myself that I can often convince myself if there's a plate of good food in front of me that I can keep on eating. I can push myself, I can enjoy it, and it's gonna be so good, it just tastes so good, I'm gonna have some more of that and more of that, and you know what, I should've had that, that third plate. I shouldn't have enjoyed that last piece of chicken. It was gonna hurt me a little later, and we can lie to ourselves in those funny moments and in those serious moments. I think that we are often brutally honest with ourselves about what we do, and actually highly evasive about what we're actually truly feeling. And when it comes to the loss of life, it always is and always will be and should be difficult, but dealing with loss carries more than meets the eye and consistent struggle that we can often face is grief, in grief is even accepting invitations to grief. In John 16, 22, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to grieve when they experience loss. And he says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Be in your grief. Don't pretend that it's not there, but understand that you need to be aware of what's going on. Don't pretend that it isn't there, but grieve and have hope for joy to come. Honesty in grief is needed in the consideration of hope. And these two things don't seem particularly amicable, but, but Lewis, he would write this later on in that same book. He would say that a grief denied is a grief unhealed. And it is in that grief that we will discover that God grieves too. Now the language of grief might not sound particularly optimistic or carrying those expected elements of hope, but in truth, honesty is vital for a grieving person to acknowledge the reality of what has been lost head on. Call it what it is. This helps stave off denial and is a big step on the journey through grief because hope is more than a good feeling and sometimes simply starting to take one step down that path of healing is that feeling of hope that we need. This idea of honesty in grieving has a different term tied to it in the biblical perspective, which we're probably more familiar with in action than in word, and it's this idea of lament. In fact, there's a whole book given towards it called Lamentations, and, and like I said earlier, the Bible is a whole lot more honest about life than we tend to be. We can think ourselves through many a situation ending at this kind of conclusion that life is good for the most part, until some, some intruder, some interloper called grief or loss or death comes crashing in and then there is no telling where our hearts and our minds travel. Has everything come undone? How, how can I know the meaning of such things? Does life even have a meaning? That these are what the, those emotions kind of do to us. They, they lead us down the spiral. And the book of Lamentations, it wrestles with such questions. It doesn't pull any punches. It considers, uh, it doesn't really consider any realm of human questioning out of bound. And some people are kind of surprised by this. Some assume that faith is thinking happy thoughts or adopting a positive attitude, having confidence that things will turn out well. But how could this book of poems then be included in our scriptures? Why is it there? Well, it's there because faith 
don't get me wrong, is confidence, but it's not false or untested confidence. Faith is willing to expose itself to the full questions of life. And that's why we need to lament. Lament is defined as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow to fully communicate to ourselves, to others, and to God. Lament is important to our mental health because it names what is wrong and it makes it visible for remedy. When we isolate or refuse to speak about what hurts us, it can be very, very hard to heal. Hear me this morning. If there has been a loss in your life recently or years ago and you have not taken a moment to be honest, today is the perfect day to let honesty enter the room where you have thrown away the key so you never had to deal with the grief inside. Passionately express your grief and sorrow to God. Honestly, share your grief knowing that it is a step forward. I know it's something that I I don't often do. I'm more the type to quietly self-process and deal with it on my own terms and not really talk about it too much, if I'm being honest, to, to keep myself busy. It, it, it doesn't sound too appealing to deal with it. In, in early 2019, a, a close friend and my grandfather in Calgary, they both died. Um, really suddenly in a span of about a month. I remember I was, I was going back and forth almost every weekend it felt for that month, even trying to, to preach on the Sunday after a funeral back in Calgary. And let me just say that I, I learned really quickly that though my physical strength was there, my emotional and mental capacity bottomed out pretty hard on that Monday morning. Grief takes a toll. Grief is a process and grief is a reality that we face in those moments of loss which are inevitable. And and no one wants to face it. No one is ever really prepared to see someone gone. And when we experience it once, it's a feeling that we never really want again. And one of the things we do is what Naomi attempts in this situation with with her two daughter-in-laws. She says, leave me alone. This is for your own benefit. I'm helping you. I'm a miserable mess. Don't waste your time on me. I'm just going to continue on with life, but just leave me. Everyone else already has. Fear prescribes isolation as the remedy to our grief. And it so often wears a cloak of nobility as a smokescreen. I'm going to do the noble self-sacrificing thing and get... Uh, people away from me. Naomi shouldn't have been left alone to her grieving path forward, and you shouldn't either. The way that grief makes us feel alone is not the actual fix to a broken heart. We are not equipped to do this alone. This is why passionate expressions of grief are so important to our mental health. It's why lament is simply not a self-indulgent moment of complaining, complaining, because when we enter into it, it can properly and consciously name what is wrong and it invites others to walk alongside us. And that is part of how we heal. 
We all need a Ruth in our stories who will refuse to leave us in our pain. And sometimes that person will see you and recognize you and hurt, and recognize your hurt and step in. But there are times when we are the ones who are given the power and opportunity to invite someone to process with us, to walk with us, to talk with us, and to be a safe place to lament and heal. Because note this, that Ruth didn't say that she would stay with Naomi if she stopped grieving. She said that she would stay to grieve with her. And sometimes the most powerful comfort we can give those grieving around us is a quiet presence to listen and grieve alongside, to mourn with those who mourn, to weep with those who weep, to share in the struggle. Sometimes the greatest comfort you can give someone in their grief isn't a solution, but just yourself. We so often, we want to be carriers of hope and we're, and we're called to be carriers of hope, but we just sometimes get the job description wrong. It's as if someone has told you your entire life that if you're going to be a teacher, your only responsibility will be to write on a chalkboard and then you become a teacher and all you do is you write on a chalkboard. You refuse to even look at an iPad or any form of technology. You don't pay attention to anyone else in the room. You're just writing on that chalkboard. You're just doing your responsibility. And kids, they don't get to ask questions. You're just doing what you are supposed to do and it's as if we have been trained by culture that our responsibility as hopeful people is to provide solutions in moments of grief. And we take more time to speak than listen. We, we want to move on quickly and we get frustrated when our perfectly crafted solution doesn't work. And we have not listened to the way of Jesus that invites us to mourn with those who mourn. Not solve those who mourn, not fix those who mourn, but mourn with those who mourn. And just like Ruth came near to Naomi, we know that God comes near to us in our pain. And we need to imitate this posture towards those we see who are suffering. Naomi, she had lost her husband and two sons. Grieving was her perpetual state. And yet this moment of, of beauty was Ruth truly being who Jesus calls us to be. To, to be a Christ carrier of hope, we must realize that hope is a gift meant for healing, but it can become a tool we use to avoid pain. And, and we aren't doing anyone a favor by rushing through grief to get to a good feeling. We need to find a balance between hope and being present in tough feelings of loss and, and, and even just understand that hope isn't the power to reduce pain. It's the power to be present in pain because grief takes time because healing, it takes time. Nora McClarney, she says this, that we don't move on from grief. We move forward with it. What if, 
What if grief is a kind of, of activism? What if one of the most subversive acts right now is to give voice to our grief, to refuse to, to quote unquote move on? Such, a, such grief, it denies denial its power to look away in a desperate pursuit of healing. Just as there is no peace without justice, there is no healing without grief. So what, what do we do with our losses? We must mourn our losses. We cannot talk or act them away, but we can shed tears over them and allow ourselves to grieve deeply. To grieve is to allow our losses to tear apart feelings of security and safety and lead us to the painful truth of our brokenness. Our, our grief makes us experience the abyss of our own life in which nothing is settled, clear, or obvious, but everything is constantly shifting and changing. But, but in the midst of all this pain, there is a strange, shocking, yet very surprising voice. It's the voice of the, of the one who says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's the unexpected news that there is a blessing hidden in our grief. Not those who comfort are blessed, but those who mourn. Somehow in the midst of our tears, a gift is hidden. Somehow in the midst of our mourning, the first steps of healing take place. Somehow the cries that well up from our losses bandage our broken hearts so so know this, that every time you're, you're hurt, you're grieving the loss of someone, so much more so does the heart of God. The person you're thinking about this morning is loved so deeply by God. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Just, just six weeks ago, we... We received a call from my parents that my aunt in India, Auntie Shoba, had, had died very suddenly. It was, it was a series of events that should have never happened. Um, it was felt preventable. It was escalated by pandemic restrictions in the region and, and, and it cost us my, my beautiful aunt. Um, she loved Jesus, she, she served her family with an uncommon ferocity and care. She was kind and, and generous and, and she's no longer with us. And with complete transparency, there, there is no good answer. I hate it. Death. It's painful. It's confusing. It's infuriating. And yet we find ourselves moving forward. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't ask the same questions that we all feel in these moments. And, and there may not be the perfect answer to satisfy our, our, our desire, but the Bible does ask a lot of right questions, knowing with confidence that our faith is better for it. And in our questioning, we find hope in the God who loves every single person, including my Auntie Shoba, unconditionally. Knowing that death was not God's design for the world, but life is. Renewal is and resurrection is. And in our grief, we need, to, we need to remind each other, to help each other remember that grief is this multitasking emotion. 
we get to be more than one thing at a time, that you can and you will be sad and happy. You'll be grieving and able to love in the same year or week or or the same breath. And we need to remember that a grieving person is going to laugh again and, and smile again. Remember what we talked about today, that shock is normal. Don't pretend. Feel what you feel. Be honest with yourself. Describe what you've lost to others and to God. Lament is an invitation. And be comfortable with your tears because we have a God who meets us in our loss, weeping with us while healing our hearts and lives in ways we could have never imagined. Nicholas Wolstorff, he he lost a son in a climbing accident and he said this, that it's through our tears that we see the tears of God. That when we grieve, we join God in lamenting beauty that has been broken. And we grieve in anticipation of the day when all will be restored. And then finally, consider how grief can be a kind of activism in a powerful pursuit of healing. You might be grieving this morning. This has been a difficult season for so many. Or perhaps this is something that has happened years ago that you just haven't talked about, haven't processed through, haven't asked someone about. We're talking about this idea of loss because it matters. That it impacts our lives physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And we are invited by God to grieve, to mourn, and to find God in the midst of it all. Inviting us forward, not to move on, but to move, on, move forward with that grief to help us discover all over again that we are loved by a God who is with us in the midst of our struggle. City Collective, if you are feeling any, anything from the sermon this morning that is really sticking with you, we're gonna make sure that we are inviting you to, to be praying to be leaning in with us. We believe that there is an opportunity for us to stand together, that we need each other, we need to be honest and we need community. And we need to be reminded of the hope that we find in a savior that came to us in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our grief, and brought us salvation and peace in a way that never seemed possible. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Father, we just give you thanks that our loss is something that we can bring to you. That our pain is something that we can bring to you. And that we can discover your peace in a way that passes all understanding and draws us closer to your heart. So for those who are mourning or grieving this morning, a loss of a loved one, recently, from years past, wherever it is that we find ourselves this morning, I pray that your blessing of comfort would come to those who are mourning. That you would give us the courage 
to speak honestly. The courage to to grieve and to, to bring others into our struggle. To bring you into our struggle. Thank you for giving us the hope of tomorrow. That peace is possible, that joy is possible, and we can find it directly in you. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.